This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. No Jumper, coolest podcast on the world. And today I have an old friend of mine, Brad Sims, in the building. How you doing, Brad? Better than ever, man. I'm great. Thanks for having me back on here. Yeah, man. It's been. F- I had you on my old BMX podcast, TCU TV, five years ago or so, which is kind of hard for me to locate in my memory. I, th- I believe Catfish was on it. Catfish definitely was there. Uh, I think a few other people. Yeah. Know. I'm not sure if he's like, still in contact with him. Like, Feels like a million years ago. I think Chris Long was there. Uh-huh. It was a minute ago. It was, well, you said, what, five, six years ago? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot has changed in the last five to six years. A lot has changed. And one thing that stands out to me is that there's close to nobody that's pretty much, like, from my generation that's still really doing something that is really making noise BMX-wise, you know? Like, fucking to make it to 36. 30, you just turned 36 or 37? Yep. 36. 36. And to think that you were, like, totally killing it when we were both you know 19 and then you're still going in harder than ever right now i mean it's pretty it's pretty shocking to see yeah i mean i didn't even think about it until like earlier in the year or like yeah like beginning of the year right so i was talking to people and i was sitting down i was talking with uh Stu and uh, and i was thinking back from like my generation like how many people are still active right and there's only there's a few but the majority have either moved on, you know, working normal nine to five, or they just, I don't know, going off on some other adventure. I would say that, like, of the riders I was hyped on when I was, I don't know, 23, I mean, how many of them are still pro, never mind riding at a high level? It's got to be less than 1%. Oh, hands down. Yeah. Easily less than 1%. How is that possible? How are you still riding so good? You really like, and there's like a style. There's a Brad Sims style that has sort of like become a thing at a certain point. And if somebody were to spend a little while on your Instagram, they would they would figure this out. Even if they didn't really ride BMX, I think they'd be able to pick it out. Which is kind of like doing something that seems absolutely impossible on a spot that almost everybody else who rides bikes would not even do a single thing on. I think something that preserved a lot of my my riding. Is the fact that I didn't get to film and work with brands throughout my whole career. It's been on and off. Yeah. So it was always on and off. So I could, yeah, I'd sit around, I'd go places and do shit, but I would always just kind of have things in the back of my mind. It's like, you know what? Maybe one day, maybe one day. So when that whole, like, yeah, last year when I decided just to say, fuck everything and go do my own thing. Right. That's when I just, I just started to unload. Quarantine had a real big impact on the way that you chose to ride bikes or just the how hard you were choosing to go in general? It's how hard I chose to go in general. Right. Like quarantine, I knew, streets were empty. I knew that was the perfect time to hit everybody as hard as I possibly could because... Everybody's on their phone. Yep. Everybody's on their phone. People are bored out of their minds. They're sitting in the house. So if you didn't have a passion, something to do outside of like your everyday job or whatever and if you you know if you if you're self-employed you got to keep yourself busy doing one thing or the other you right. think, 
sometimes you, you know, you get bored doing what you're doing, but I wasn't bored. I had just that motivation to keep going and going. Right. It's crazy because I feel like you've always kind of been somebody who just had like almost like unlimited potential and you yourself kind of have to choose how much of it you want to let out at any given time because even as a young dude you were always this like freakishly strong dude who was basically capable of like muscling tricks out that nobody else could do just because you just had enough strength to really just like you know rip a fucking tail whip in a spot where somebody else wasn't going to be able to yeah the, i've always been bigger than like the average rider right you know you they're either you know short and stocky or tall and slim and i'm kind of right in the middle like mm. just a little bigger than the average person right who rides bmx yeah know? well you're small and then you but then you have like a really dense muscularity going yeah something like that for sure so um i wanted to okay so in terms of you sort of like having still been on this road of progression like do you look back at your career and see multiple different times where you thought about quitting oh at least let me see i remember when everything was kind of when i lost like all my deals and it happened early on it happened within like two years of being sponsored post remember, post because well, it was bulldog bikes and then it was hoffman right yeah do you remember when we first met in philly Yes. When we rode around. Yeah. And when you're talking about like uh, the website and everything, shortly after, I think like a year later, like I lost all my deals back then. And I Because you had a Target deal around that time too, right? Yep. Yeah. Wrote for Target. And they were helping you a ton with the travel, which you were huge on at the time. Yeah, they helped with uh, yeah, a lot of that. And there was Hoffman. Then I guess that was what, like 2008, whenever, right. whenever the, the crash was. Right. So then a lot of that money dried up. And uh, I, well, I didn't think about quitting them, but I didn't really know what I, what, I didn't know what the next step was going to be. Right. Because of, um, you know, you just, you get a little afraid because lack of income, like, all right, do I go and get, you know, a normal nine to five or do I keep pushing? Right. So, but I think one, yeah, after that happened and another time, I'd say there's been at least three, three, three times that I remember. Right. And the biggest one would be right before the pandemic. It was when things started to go sour with fit? No. Before um, that? Before that. That's when I thought about quitting when not quitting, but just. Not trying to make this your job? Yeah, just leaving the whole industry like that. Because, I mean, I really, I spent 10 years, like a, a decade with no like, decent um, sponsorship. Right. And BMX in general is like, you know, knowing what I know now about all the different things that you could do to make money and everything, it seems like it would be kind of crazy to try to cobble together a, a good living from riding BMX. And maybe it's one thing when you're you're 20 and you got, you know, your parents are helping you out and maybe you don't need that much money to, to get through life and everything. But I mean, and, and, and also it was one thing in 2008. Because in 2008, there was definitely a lot more opportunities in terms of shoe sponsors. It was probably easier to get energy drink sponsored. These days, it's a lot more difficult. To make a living as a BMX rider now, you either have to be like absolute, absolute tippity top skill and popularity wise. That's pretty much it. Yeah, there's, there's no real in between. Mm. And you have to transcend. 
And he's like, right now, like, I've reached the highest possible place you can go in BMX without connecting it to something. And I've connected it to other things, such as the mountain bike industry. Mm. Going there. Um, I got sponsored by Adidas now. And also, a lot of rappers are starting to uh, engage with me. Mm. So, Which like, is something I always wanted to see through my whole time doing the bmx website and everything i always wanted to like figure out how to get rappers to give a fuck about bmx or to realize how cool it was and i always felt like it was difficult to make that connection so that's when i first had uh, benny the butcher i think say something to me like oh i'd be fucking with your boy brad sims i was like that's amazing to realize that somebody like you who's super popular and has really has this very real background, et cetera, is looking at a side of, you know, athletics, I guess, that he has nothing to do with and able to appreciate what you're doing, you know? That, that was and that made me feel good about the future of BMX. Yeah, because that's when I knew something was different. Mm. When I remember when I, I dropped a video online and it got like, I don't know, like 12, 1300 comments on it or something. And some dude, some random person was like, yo, he said, you're so dope, Benny the Butcher follows you. And this is, during, I didn't really, I wasn't listening to music like that then because I was so fucking driven and I wouldn't, I couldn't, I just had to ride to the beat of my own drum. Really? Couldn't listen to anything. You were that motivated riding-wise <clears throat> that you weren't even really paying attention to that kind of thing? No, I wouldn't listen to music. There's so many people that started following, like rappers and stuff, I had no idea who were watching my page. So some dude said, yeah, he said, yo, you're so dope, Benny the Butcher is following you. I was like, what? So I went to it. I'm looking, I was like, really, he is. Then I started looking at other things, and the next thing I noticed, Raekwon was in. I'm like, Raekwon? I'm like, yo, legendary. Wow, that's crazy. Fucking rapper. Raekwon, there's like Ransom, there's Conway. Wow. I, and the list, like, what was it, Pharaoh Monch? Like, the list was going on and on, like, the top UFC fighters. Wow. And I'm like, these people are watching me so i knew something was different this time around there's like a different category of appreciation that people can have where it's like when when you're doing things that are so impressive that people who know nothing about bmx could be that tuned in because i feel like a problem it's like you know it's a gift and a curse in bmx over the years is that a lot of bmx has become so technical that like an average person would just have no chance of understanding what a crank arm to bar spin to manual to switch whip is you know it's just very they might know it looks amazing but they don't what are the odds of them actually like getting it super low but like you'd be doing some stuff that any idiot could look at it and realize that you're doing something really really hard and that's that's how i how i market myself online mm. like I, I go towards like the mom and the pops the like the casual fans that people who are watching mm. there's only a core only a core rider is going to understand what you just mentioned right seven trick thing if they see me jump off a building and land over here on this wall they can they can, they can do one plus one <clears throat> but that calculus equation that somebody just fucking did on some crazy obstacle they don't know what that is right and for somebody like you i mean you could do a lot of that stuff and i'm sure you still will do a fucking ledge combo and a video here and there but it's like you only have so much energy and you're somebody with so much talent that it's like you could kind of direct it in whatever direction you want. And like a, at a certain point, it just sort of clicked to you that doing stuff that was just shocking on sort of everyday objects would be more interesting to a lot of people than just adding another technical thing. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't feel like that was moving the needle. Mm. Like I watched it, I've seen a thousand technical things, but just straight bangers, putting it in your face, 
on a daily basis, I noticed which started moving mm. me in a different direction. Yeah, because I mean, in BMX, it's kind of like almost looked down upon for people to do tricks thinking about what they're going to get from doing that trick. You know, like, like I'm going to do this trick and I'm going to use it in this way. I'm going to put this content out like this. A lot of young BMX kids, like ideas like, no, you're riding bikes and you're going to let a filmer film you and then they're going to do whatever it is they want to do with that footage. And you're kind of not even supposed to care or have any involvement with how that content of you is being used, which I feel like you're not a big fan of. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I got duped into that years ago. And these are, this is why I, when the pandemic started, that's when I just decided I said, fuck everything. I'm not honoring no more of these antiquated codes. Mm. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to post whatever I want online. Then I, I knew it was going to create a splash, but I didn't know it was going to do what it did to put me in the position I'm in right now. Mm. Because people started, I was getting crazy hate from all kinds of directions, people from people I knew, people I was close to. And I was like, all because I'm posting on Instagram. Wait, what was the hate from? From you actually posting crazy tricks on Instagram? Because there's always been a little bit of a stigma in BMX about that. You're supposed to save it for a full video yeah. part for people who don't that, know. That came a lot of it came from there, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, I wasn't saving clips, and I knew if I didn't rebrand myself and get people to re start rewatching my content, mm. then I was going to eventually just fade all fade away, right? Because there's no way, because I won two Ride of the Year awards, and I was like, the only way that was going to happen is if I was in your face. Because had I saved up footage for six and a half, seven, eight months, it wouldn't have had the same impact. Mm. Because you, I remember, you were, you were reposting stuff. Like, um, I came out here, we ended up, like, I jumped over you. Right, yeah. And that was on there. And it was just clip after clip after clip. So, it's just a different impact. Some, and some people won't just go and watch a five-minute part. They're like, okay, cool. Well, if I get on, open my phone up, I can sit here and, boom, Brad's going to post today. He's going to post tomorrow. And I'm in your face every day and you can't get away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because then I've had the conversation with people over and over and over where it's like, dude, can you believe that Brad is really out there doing tricks like that every day? Like it just becomes a normal conversation. And I can understand why from a lot of people's perspective, it's it's better to wait. It's better to put out this full cinematic video. And I definitely see the value in that. And, you know, I think of somebody like Dennis Anderson, who probably had like one of the best video parts of the year for sure. And I mean, that was an incredible section. And I wonder if it would like, w I mean, I guess Dennis's Instagram would probably be going crazy if he had posted each of those tricks singularly as a, as a single trick. Instead, he films this whole thing and puts it out. And it, that YouTube video got like 2 million views or some shit like that. So it definitely was successful for whatever he was trying to accomplish. But, you know, it's like, who is to say that there's anything wrong with putting your content out in whatever fashion that you want, especially in this day and age where if I do a podcast, it's getting cut for Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook. So, you know, you doing a trick, it's like there's a million different ways that you can put it out there into the world. If anything, I would say that you could probably be even bigger if you had le if you leaned in to TikTok more. To Facebook, yeah, I don't know, you probably post your tricks on Facebook and everything, but I mean, there's a lot of different social apps that you can gain a profile on, and that's basically what it is to be a professional athlete these days. You know, there, there is no media that's gonna fucking do it for you. There's no magazine, there's no website that has that much clout that's gonna change anything for you. 
the, the platforms you need to appease are the social media platforms, really. Yeah, and that's where I went straight to. Mm. I don't do a lot with TikTok. I mean, I have one, but I don't do much on there because people flag my shit. Really? <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I'll have a video that'll go viral and some, some idiot will, will flag it. Wow, that it's sucks. Haters. That's crazy that that actually yeah. works these days. All it does is, like, it just it gets flagged for dangerous acts. Right. Something ridiculous. Yeah, I guess some of the stuff you do, like, being up on people's roofs and stuff, you can kind of see how the algorithm might not like that. I guess, but I'm not, I'm not really on people's roofs like that. Yeah. This is it's a little too invasive for me. Yeah. But yeah, the... Yeah, like I said, I knew what to do, and it was immediate gratification. And it, instead of being it being over long term, just became like this is going to create right the long term. So, because kids want to see the lifestyle, you know, they want to see the they want it to be relatable. Like an average kid, and this is kind of a, an old conversation, but when it comes to BMX, it's like kids tend to veer towards the stuff that they can understand, and. When you see a video and it's like six minutes of, like I remember when I started to realize like, oh, these kids are more impressed by a vlogger than a dude who's hammering out three minutes worth of bangers in a video part. The view count reflects that and the number of people who are interested reflects that. Like that's, that, that was a pretty like unbelievable awakening for me in a certain way at a certain point because I had just always been used to like, oh, if you get a bunch of tricks, you put them in, in Final Cut and you put a song and that's basically what it, that's the only way that you can present BMX. It's yeah. interesting that you didn't go the vlogger route because that would have almost seemed kind of obvious, although I think that it's probably better image-wise that you didn't. Uh, I kind of thought about it for, for a minute, but I didn't enjoy holding the camera in my face. Yeah. If I had somebody just follow me around, and I'm kind of awkward in front of the camera too sometimes, so I just sometimes just not comfortable with it. Is there a part of you that... Like, what, what is it that kept you really going with BMX all these years and didn't decide to just do something else? Like, there's been so many people over the years who are super talented riders, and at a certain point, they just kind of just aren't feeling it. It just doesn't seem worth it to them at a certain point. What, what's kept you going? They either they're not feeling it or they get – I mean, it's easy to get burnt out. Yeah. You get, you get, you go through, I mean, I've, I've burnt out many times. You've been super lucky with the injuries, which is a huge factor. Yep. Very fortunate there. Um well, here's the thing. I, I never, never had anything on top of it. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to leave the industry with, you know, uh, just a, uh, yeah, I have great memories and I've been around the world, but I can't do anything with a passport full of stamps. Right. You know, I need to build a future for myself. And I was like, I'm not leaving until I get that. So that's what really, but that's, that's what, that was another, like, moment that kind of drove me to the to that point right you know i'm like i'm not going back to work in construction mm. I'm like i have options i have an option i said like, i can still ride this i can still ride at the highest level so i'm like i'm not going back to swinging a fucking hammer or working a jacket you know mm. so that's what it was and it was, it was you know it was like it was yeah it's fear you get you know you get afraid you know you don't know what what are you going to do? And I didn't even know. I was like, I'm going to give myself six months. And if I can't change my life, at least make something better in the next six months, then I'll, then I'll walk away. Mm. And it's hard to do this without being outcome-driven. Right. So I do almost anything without being outcome-driven. Because you don't want to, like, be at the skate park 
working on a trick and also thinking like, yo, I'm, I'm doing this so that I can have something for Instagram today so that I can get those likes and comments and feel like I'm relevant. But that's got to be kind of tempting to almost get into that mentality sometimes. Oh, you do get into it. I had to get into it. I had to tap yeah, into that. You have to. There was no way. Yeah, I'm also like intrinsically motivated, but you have to. There has to be some kind of compelling reason there to keep it, keep it going. And you got to go. And I abandoned, during that time, I abandoned probably everything. Like, mm. if you weren't on the same energy or trying to be, or if you weren't around me trying to do, do the same shit or be helpful, then I just, uh, we couldn't be in the same space. Mm. And I would look, I, would, I started looking, I was watching a lot of stuff you were doing. And I just, I knew, I was like, we come, we come from the same industry. And I seen like just the upward trajectory and everything that's been going on in your life. And I was like, I remember when you all had the, had the, the old spot. Some nights you'd be in your room, I'd see you writing down stuff, like you'd be making a plan. I'm like, Adam definitely, he makes plans. He plans shit out, he does stuff. Then one of my closest friend, Brandon, he also was a planner. And I sat down with his father one night, and his father was talking to me. He's like 70-something years old. He's like, yeah, he goes, you need to come up with a plan. And I'm like, so all these people who are more successful than me are planning. Mm. So I just sat down one day. I said, you know what? Let me make a plan. I just started planning and just scratching, scratching shit off the list. And one by one, things started to just come to fruition. I remember, like, that time period, maybe 2013, when I was first starting to realize that I really like wanted more from my life, and that I'd been running this BMX website for all these years, and it was it was cool, but I also like I just started to feel kind of dry, and I just started to feel like I was capable of more. And I remember like I would be choosing to sit in the house and not go out, which was like you know at that time that was pretty much what our lives were like: was you went road all day, and then you went to the bar at night, and that was it. And I started to like not go to the bar and I started to stay in the house and I'd be watching documentaries and I'd be watching other podcasters This is before I'm doing podcasts and starting to like really get the creative juices flowing of like, okay, what can I do that'll be bigger than where I'm at right now, bigger than just bike riding, et cetera. And I noticed that when I started to do that, there was a lot of people in my life who were kind of like, would see me trying to dig out a better path for myself and we're almost kind of offended by it because you know they're going to the bar every night and drinking themselves to death and meanwhile i'm choosing not to and people get kind of offended by that like without realizing it like they don't want you to find a new path they don't want you to like work on bettering yourself they want you to be dragged down to the level that they're at and the, the bmx kind of has that as like an overall disease in a way where it's like there's almost like a stigma about being entrepreneurial or, or wanting to like really build something for yourself. And I've seen that over and over with you over the years where I feel like you wanting to get paid what you deserve or you wanting to just ask for more, you wanting to be very clear about your demands is like quite often just painted as like you being an asshole or you're hard to work with or some shit. It, it's, it's dehumanizing. Yeah. Like the industry dehumanizes riders. And I see that just with a lot of athletes, whether it's, Action, yeah, especially action sports. Nobody talks about numbers. You can't talk, you can't really discuss numbers. Someone's like in contractual agreements and stuff. Mm. But if you discuss that stuff, it gets, but you can't, I mean, you create tension within the brand. Right. And if you, yeah, if you want to transcend like you're doing, go off and try to do something different, another creative avenue, 
You do get you get looked at. People people shame you right. in a way like, well, why are you doing that? Like that's not being core. Mixed. It ain't core. Mm. So props to you for <laughs> building your empire and you know appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I just got like a couple of the right spots like you know i was just kind of like warming my way into that rap space started to get a couple rapper interviews and i just started to like realize like wow you know i had always sort of closed myself off mentally into like oh i'm a bmx guy and i listen to rap music and everything but why would i ever think that i would have any kind of ability to go have conversations with people in that world you know and when i look back on it i'm like holy shit that it was pretty audacious like why did you think that any of these people would be interested in talking to you but i started small and sort of like built my thing and eventually got to the point where i was in that position and even like you know especially like street rappers i'll go back and watch an interview from three four years ago and it's like oh my god i had no business doing this <laughs> well, like what i didn't know anything about that world now that i actually do it's almost like oh i feel like as a interviewer i'm kind of just getting started in a way yeah i mean you have you have to have a certain level of ego you know I mean, e ego people look at it look at ego as if it's universally negative but it's not you need a just enough and you had enough of belief just yeah. to go out there and like you know what i can't enter i can't um interview papoose or jada kiss or somebody you it know? takes a lot of ego to be like you know what i'm 36 and i'm still gonna actually start really making moves in my career finally and you know making the moves that i was supposed to that people thought that it, i would be done 20 years ago or 15 years ago or whatever like bmx riders are just not supposed to have a career that long that's what i find so impressive about you is that you still just had the actual skill to get all that shit done yeah i mean it, it, i'm surprised right i'm surprised but I, I always i knew it was there but i just i think that was just you know timing like, mm -hmm. like okay cool i i need to just do me and not entertain any of the noise and just go 110 Right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Do you feel like, uh, for those who don't know, you had kind of a public falling out with uh, your previous sponsor, Fit, which is you know probably one of the bigger, more respected brands at this point. And you know, I feel like the general consensus was, well, I don't know what the consensus is, but a lot of people were really, really shocked that you would sort of willingly uh, go your separate ways just because you felt like you deserved more. The typical like notion of what your BMX career is supposed to be like is basically you get sponsored by a company like Fit and you hold on until the last possible moment when they kick you off, right? Like, wait, like what was it about you that made you just decide like I'm worth more and I'm not going to just keep accepting a, a paycheck that I don't think is fair? Because I, I couldn't build a life from it, mm. and I, my goal was to get myself in a position where I can build a life. And, you know, we had a falling out. It's just, it's a messy story, you know. There's another podcast with yeah. it and detailed and many yeah. hours worth of content. Yeah. But it's like, I want to, I'm trying to build a life. Like, I, like I want to buy a house. I want to get to the next stage of my life. And I'm, there's other brands who I know I can work with who are 
you know, plenty of eyes on me right now. And I know, you know, it'll work for me. Were you looking at other athletes or influencers and sort of just thinking like, I see them getting what they're worth. And a lot of times BMX is happy to pay people, you know, like 10% of what people might get in other sports. Was that part of it as well? I kept looking at some of the, like, the top dudes, but I was looking at, I was looking outside of BMX. Right. Looking at like who, like where can I go? How can I get what I need to make my life function the way I wanted to? So I started looking at, look at Nigel as well. Mm. Nigel, he's had a great career. Very successful in what he's doing. Super early on real, like when you think about the kind of moves that he was making in 2012 or 11 or whatever, I mean, he was sort of like really early on realizing what, it would be to be an influencer as a BMX rider, you know? Like, you can go fuck with all these companies if you build an image for yourself, you know? He he gets a lot of a lot of hate from the industry, but he's a very important piece mm. to it. And he, he, and I, he and I talk a bit, you know, and same with Ralphie, but very helpful and knowledgeable, has, knows everybody, and even just the way how he moves around, like, everything is done at the highest level. Mm. So just connecting with him more often, um, just just the way that everything, how things are moving. Like, I now I, now I understand consistency more than ever. At mm. first, I didn't. I I, w- I wouldn't. I, yeah, I had probably some discipline issues, like back in the day. You know, I go do something, then I fucking go off. But you didn't have social media to really give you any kind of structure. Mm. Because now, like for example, for you, let's say you go, let's say you do five interviews and you go silent for a whole month. No. Can't happen, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> so, but th- that could happen. That, that, that would be fine pre-social media. Right, yeah. But now, no. And when that whole, when, when social media got into, you know, uh, the bike game and all that stuff. Mm. That's when everything changed. And that, and that's the thing is that so many people in BMX were super resistant to the changes that came with social media. And yeah, well, you, you were describe what your mentality was early on in the Instagram era, because definitely it took a while for people to embrace it. My, Anyone who did early on is probably winning as a result because there was a lot of yeah. appetite for BMX tricks on Instagram at the time, whereas now it's pretty flooded. Flooded, but. But shit that stands up stands up. You gotta do. You gotta do what you gotta do now. Right. Yeah. Um, fuck. It took me. I hated it because mm. I would see you know young dudes just dropping hammers, just dropping shit on it left and right. I'm like, what are you all doing? Because I was still stuck. I mean, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so way older than a lot of dudes who are just dropping stuff now. Right. So, I would see that. I'm like, you all need to save this for a video part. You need to save it. Because like, I'm, you know, so old school mindset, not thinking about social media and how, like, like, like how, how times are moving, how to rebrand and market and everything. I'm still, I'm stuck back there. Yeah. And it, I wouldn't say, it, not until maybe two and a half, three years ago. But this year, that's when I, well, 20, yeah, 20, last year, that's when I just said, I don't care. Right. And I just went for broke. Yeah. No, I remember years ago, like 
Began had an Instagram clip and he just did a bunch of different like rail ledge setups at this one college, you know, all these like 60, 40 type things. And I remember this like older BMX guy, industry filmer, dude, whatever. And him just being like, this is fucked up. Like you shouldn't be putting these things on Instagram. Those are, those are like real clips <laughs> and just realizing like, this is the, this is the age gap right here. Because we, on one end we got like a 20 year old kid that did all these tricks first try damn near. <laughs> and on the other side, you have a dude who's telling him that he should have saved these clips that he did first try for his video part that might be out in a year or two. And I was just like, man, it doesn't. it's not going to pay to be an old head in the long run here. Like at some point, you have to be able to look at what's going on in the Internet and just realize like, OK, I might have some antiquated ideas that might not serve me in the next 10 years of my life. Right. I still hear I still hear that all the time. Hmm. I hear people. You shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. Like, really? That's for the gram. I don't care what I film. I will throw it on there. So you're not holding on to anything. I hold on to nothing. Really? I'll go Staples Center right now and go drop something crazy, and I'll put it on there tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. Right. I don't care. That's your time. <laughs> whenever the peak, roughly whenever the peak hours. That's are, the time when it does best. I just uh, nine nine in the morning, twelve three something like that. I, I just, posted on the feed last night at nine p.m. and got a reminder that late night does not work on my page. It's not good. I don't know why I tried that. I mean, even though, I mean, your platform is way bigger than mine, but it's just not good. Unless you're like Cardi B or somebody. I probably got like 20% of the likes that I would have gotten if I had posted in the morning, which is. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Lesson learned. It's funny. I mean, I, it's just a game. Yeah. I look at it and people are like, oh, you're too soon. Like, if you want to look at it that way, but me, my, my social media is the reason why I picked up all these new sponsors. Right. Why now I'm in the best best position I've ever been in my entire career mm-hmm. and I'm 36 now and not really relying on the BMX industry at all no they could all say fuck you and it, you got your own thing going on um, they didn't say that to me but they could you know like you're not dependent on you know for all these years in BMX in particular it was like the dudes who got to be pro are the ones who for the most part kept their fucking mouth shut and just stayed by a company for years and years and it was you know, I remember certain dudes that came out. I remember Corey Rogowski came out to Long Beach. All the talent in the world, so goddamn good. Then we're talking like 20, 20, uh, 2012 maybe. And, you know, it was just like little personality things where you just didn't really, you didn't get along great with me and Charlie Crumlish and our, our little squad. Like we got a little tough, little scuffle, like, you know, argument, yeah. whatever, not fight. And then, you know, other little things like that. And all of a sudden, boom, he's like, he's not sponsored and, Shit was all fucked up. And I'm, when I think back on that, I'm like, that's a tragedy. That, like, he was basically at the whim of, you know, a handful of industry people liking him. It, it happens all the time. Mm. Like, I, I see it. You know, some people just, they just might not have, like, a, a great personality. It might just be kind of, you know, weird, quirky, and, you know, it might be one of the best. But they don't either, one, they don't know how to market themselves, too, or they end up... Just kind of falling on the radar and because mm. you used to be able to be like i remember you had a big chunk of your life where you wanted to do nothing but travel it was probably over like 10 years ago but you were you would put out a video part maybe every year or two or whatever but you were trying to be in romania bangladesh wherever the fuck it was that you, you were just trying to see everything bro we never saw you in america for a couple of years there i was i had a stretch when i was i was probably gone I think the longest stretch was two and a half years, but like within like five years, I was really gone for like five years. Right. Just seeing the world. 
Yeah, just fucking running to this place, that place. You would have a girl in every Eastern European country that <laughs> was letting you stay with her for a while there. But do you do you still have that desire? Because I used to be like that where I wanted to see every every country and I wanted to be everywhere. And at a certain point, once I had seen enough of it, I'm like, oh, all right. Well, like, I don't. It doesn't feel as like fetishized in my brain anymore to go see all these different <clears> cities. Now I was like, I want to. I do want to go see more places, but now that. My finances are different. I want to go back and experience them mm. in a more luxurious way. Like a lot of places I went to, I was just roaching it. Yeah. You know, so I mean, I've been to what, 105 countries and it's not the same. Like now I want, to, I want to go. I don't want to move around quite as much as I, you know, I did at one time. Mm. But now it's like I still want to, still want to go some places. I do a project there, chill, you know, and, be able to do it on my own time and not out of just survival. Right. Yeah, because when I think about it, like I, I consider a BMX bike or a bike in general to be like one of the best ways to travel in the sense that like, you know, if you drop me off in France or London tomorrow, it's like I could ride my bike around for 10 hours and just look at shit and just really like get to see how people are really living, get to see what the shitty areas are like, what the rich areas are like. But then at the same time, when I think about a lot of my old days BMX-wise, yeah, I mean, you're pretty much eating, like, you know, street food or, you know, going to some random fucking McDonald's or whatever. And, you know, there is definitely times where I travel now where I'm like, holy shit, like, I'm actually really seeing what this city's like because I'm actually going to just do a lot of the things that it's famous for just because we have money now. Yeah, you're not roughing it. Like, it's nice. That's one thing um, what I notice and. A talk I had with Nigel not long ago is BMX bike BMX biking always looks crazy because there's not enough visual of people doing well in the industry, mm. not enough riders. So you take if I really think about the number of riders who own houses, not too many, mm. some. But you need to see you know, it doesn't have to be like super flashy like the rap industry and other people showing you know jewels and everything and flying around, throwing crazy shit. But they need people need to know, like up and comers, that it is possible that riders are doing well. Mm-hmm. Last thing I wanna see is, you know, my favorite rider working at I don't know, Long John Silvers. Right. You know, how would you feel? I mean, wouldn't you be fucking blown away if you if uh if you one of your favorite rappers was working at I don't know, Wendy's? There are rappers who haven't had a popular song in like 10, 15 years that when people realize that they have a normal job, it's like in the headlines. Like such and such girl that was signed by Jay-Z in 1998 works at Bloomingdale's. It's like, what the, Like what makes you think that her putting out a song with Jay-Z in 1998 would stop her from needing a regular job in 2021 but yeah i mean bmx has a very weird relationship with like materialism and wealth and stuff like that in the sense that like you know in bmx or in rap music it just sort of celebrates it like the guy with the most money is somebody that's heralded i remember like stephen murray had a a little feature in ride i think where he was showing off his like tricked out suv with like hella modifications done on it and stuff and i remember like reading the letters or just like seeing the comments about it online and it was just like I mean, him flaunting his wealth like that was like, you know, people are treating him like the Antichrist. Yeah, everybody can do it, except for like if you come for, if you're in this within this industry. Yeah, it's frowned upon. Mm-hmm. It's like no, like 
you you shouldn't have like you shouldn't be doing this or you shouldn't want that you should you can only have you should be you should have appreciation for what you get and not aspire to be anything more than that mm. and i see so much of this and it, yeah it's toxic that's why people i think why why a lot of dudes end up with this crazy post-career depression mm. they get there they never ask for anything more i mean the squeaky wheel gets the grease mm. you said you know imagine had you not stopped going to the bar every night and drinking and hanging around those dudes and coming up, up with a plan mm. How much different would your life be right now? I don't know. I genuinely would be kind of worried about it. <laughs> Same. Like, I, yeah. without that, like, sense of urgency. Like. I started to realize, honestly, at a really young age, the BMX industry wise was kind of fucked up because, you know, me all through high school, I'm worshiping Edwin, Vinny, and Vic. And I'm looking at Vic Ayala like he's a fucking god. You know, he had the best style. He's doing the biggest rails, like doing all these crazy ass rail tricks that people weren't really doing. He was like a god to me. And then one day, he's just kind of out. And it's like, oh yeah, he like stopped riding and he's like doing construction now. And like Edwin kept riding and shit, but like, you know, Vic was just gone. And I was like, seeing all that talent go away, probably because he went and got a job doing construction that was maybe making him like you know 70 grand a year or something maybe more maybe less but like you know a good amount of money that he would be able to actually like live off of and 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 even i remember reading about him at the time and realizing like he didn't have a a mom or a dad to just go like sleep on their couch you know he's like he didn't really have that much of a safety net to fall back on so you have one of the best bmx riders of all time of that era for sure whose career is kind of cut short just because he didn't see any future in it yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, you know, and uh, that's why one of the reasons why I encourage the younger generation to figure out some sort of plan with it, because if it doesn't happen, like also like pick up a camera, start filming. There's there's many places like people need filmers and stuff for now. They need, they need photography. They need I mean, they need photographers. They need videographers. So the plan like. The, B and the C or whatever it is, I have something else in there because, I mean, I, I, yeah, I relied on the one thing. Right. But I was also so invested in it. I knew eventually like nothing was going to stop me from fucking getting there. Right. Do you regret in some ways that you didn't sort of see the vision younger? Because I feel like, you know, if, if all of us knew what the internet was going to turn into in 2010, we all would have been moving very differently. We would have done different things to take full use of these platforms that were emerging in front of us. No, I'm glad I didn't. I'm, I'm glad I. Mm. I'm glad I didn't because I, w I wouldn't be ready for it. Right. I wasn't ready for it. I was too. I was way too loose back then. Though. Like I said, when I was moving, just traveling around the world, going everywhere, I was way too. I would have everything that's all these new deals and stuff that's coming at me right now. I would have blown every dime, and. Uh, I can guarantee you, I would not be riding. I would have burnt out and like been done. Interesting. I wouldn't. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the. I didn't have the upbringing for that, and nor mm. did I have like financial literacy, to, to deal with, what's in front of me right now. That's a really interesting thing for you to bring up because let's be real, we've seen a lot of uh, riders over the years. Maybe not even a lot, but like black man is like the easiest answer to come to of like somebody who had a ton of talent gets sponsored and doesn't really know how to manage this position that he all of a sudden finds himself in 
And that always killed me of seeing that with Black where he was like too hood for his own good. Like he, but he came up in this environment where he had these survival mechanisms. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden he's sponsored and it's like the rules are totally different where, you know, you're in the industry and you're expected to act a certain way. And he had like a super short pro career because of the fact that, you know, he, he didn't have like the, the upbringing to necessarily teach him how to move in this world, you know? Yeah. You see a little bit of that in yourself? I saw, I understood the difference between business and um, just how, I mean, I, I knew how to move and how to function, but it, was, it mostly just had to do with um, my own personal like, um, education. Mm. I wasn't educated enough to really handle certain things that were going on in my life. You know, like I, there's no, if somebody like what, what, what was, what I have right now, like I said, if it came to me seven years ago, no question that I would fall flat on my face and be done with it. Yeah. Just, it had been way too much for me back then. That's why I'm like, I'm um, kind of mind blowing to see like a Dennis Anderson. Dennis has been doing well for himself since he was like, 14. Right. Like, and you don't, it doesn't seem like he ever had one slip up. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you see a lot just going, going, going. Like, their career is just fucking skyrocketing. And he just has such a good head on his shoulders. All of a sudden, you know? Yeah, all of a sudden, he's like, okay, boom. They start fucking drinking. They get crazy DUIs or something. Now, I don't know, get into a fight with somebody. Like, some, maybe some TMZ fallout with some chick or some shit. And, you know, but that never happened. Like, he's just been on one plane and yeah. just chilling. I mean, I don't know everything that goes on in his personal life, but he's had, you know, yeah, he's had good people around him. Right mentality, you know, and in a lot of ways, I think, you know, where he came up in San Diego, I mean, being a professional action sports athlete is more of like a normal path in life. I'm sure you felt like a black sheep at a certain point because of the fact that you chose to do this. Like this was a very out of the ordinary thing for you to decide to do with your life. Oh, yeah. Big time. I, I, I That's a go, big difference. Yeah, I would go. I remember. Uh, I would, yeah, I would go out to dinner with some people, and they would be like, "Man, you're really living the life." And I'm like, "I am struggling to make mm. ends meet." And because people want to talk about investments and stuff, I'm like, "Man, I can't talk about this shit." Mm. Like, yeah. I do not. <laughs> Don't tell me about Bitcoin when I know that my <laughs> bills are just barely paid this month. Yeah, for real. Yeah, but I'm glad. I'm happy those days are like a thing of the past, man. Do you think that the manager thing was a big turning point for you? Because now you don't necessarily have to be the one involved with negotiating. Uh, yeah, big time. I noticed when, yeah, when my when my like page really started to fucking pop off and my numbers just tripled. Um, this is that's when when people started reaching out to me. It was weird. I was like, something just is just. Completely different. Mm. Managers, like athlete managers, were re reaching out to me. CPAs, um, wow. fucking accountants, and something. They know something's going on, man. Like they can smell it. Wow. And but yeah, my the dude I work with right now, solid. Um, like actually, like cares about my career. He, you know, he's not just he's not transactional. Obviously, he wants to get paid too and stuff, but right. Um, he's just not one of those dudes where he's trying to like fucking rob you for 
everything you get. It's funny because there's been so many people that I've known in BMX over the years throughout like the 2010s and stuff who would get a manager and then I'd have a conversation with them like a year or two years later and it'd be like, yeah, they didn't do shit for me and uh, I gave them 20% of my fucking income or whatever and didn't really do much for them. I feel like now though, that's it's it is more obvious. You know, it's like I see sort of like niche parkour guys or fucking, you know, I, I see it with rappers and producers and stuff where it's like, oh, like this dude has a, a, a Ray-Ban deal. This, this dude has like a, you know, a Puma, a couple of Puma posts on his page right now. And he's just tagging Puma. And it's like, you know, these, these sort of like one-off deals or like you know, just finding ways to be able to offer your value to different sponsors. And like, you know, we always looked at it like, oh, a sponsor is a company that's going to give you X amount of dollars every single month maybe some bonuses on top, but that's the whole thing. And if, if they sponsor you for a year and then they stop sponsoring you, you're like mad as fuck. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they dropped me. Because that that one sponsor you lost back then right. was everything. Yeah. You know, you're like, okay, this is going to make or break me. Like, my career is going to, like, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to be able to just survive doing what I want to do right. if I lose that one. Yeah. So... Remember Levi's gets into BMX and it's like, you know, they sponsor 15 fucking dudes all at once. And now when you think about what Levi's would do if they were going to sponsor some BMX riders is they would pick like two guys, maybe one guy, you know, run some ads with it, see how it goes. It's like much easier for them to feel it out, you know, do some promotional posts with different people. I see brands dipping their toes in and just doing posts with different not even just BMX, skateboard, and other things where, like, you know, companies will just try it out. Gamers of, are doing everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's the yeah. difference between you and a gamer if you get the same number of followers and likes as him? Because, yeah, maybe BMX is its own thing. Maybe you're not as big as the biggest gamer, but there's definitely gamers who have all kinds of sponsorships that have the same stats as you. Why shouldn't you be in that environment? I feel like manager is a pretty obvious thing to get you in front of those faces, you know? Managers are good. The thing with... You having a manager, uh, depending on how you have your deal structured. I don't know. Do you have a manager? At all? Uh, to, I, I don't have a manager, but I feel like I have a lot of managers in the sense that I have a lot of different people who pretty much know that they could get a cut of the money if they bring me a deal. Yeah. You know, like people bring us Instagram posts all day and they get like 10 or 15% of whatever. Like they, they get to take what they want. With the, if they sell it to somebody for 2000 and we get 1600 or whatever, it's like, okay. Yeah, having having somebody like that's supportive and like who cares about having a good manager is a, is a is a make or break. Yeah, you know, a lot of the deals that have come to me without without him helping like structure the deals and stuff. I mean, I could do it too, right? But having him on it definitely increases the compensation mm. big time because it's embarrassing to ask for what you know you're worth. And you feel like you're going to make it awkward, especially just because we're used to being in the BMX world and stuff where it's like it's there's something very uncool about saying, I think that I am worth this amount of money because I am this important. Yeah. You know, it's just it's looked down upon from the world we come in. We come from. Man, it is it's weird. But um, I'm 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 better at it now. Mm. I'm not like I'm not afraid. I'll tell you like straight up like, no. Yeah. I'm not doing it for that. Like, it feels good. Like, I'm finally in a position where I have walkaway power. Yeah. And like, oh, you don't want to do it? For, like, you, like, really? You won't do it for that? I'm like, no, I won't. I'm cool. Like, I actually, I'm pretty good without it. Being so, very confident in your rate is a good feeling. I was at ComplexCon. Somebody trying to, like, convince me to do some bullshit. I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. 
I don't leave the house for less than 20000 which might be a bit of a lie, you know. I'm sure I would, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I would drive downtown tomorrow for 5000 and want me to host a show or some shit like that. But there is truth to it in the sense that if I'm going to take my night to go do something, that I need to be very, very well compensated because I make enough money in other parts of my life that I know how much money I need to get in order to do something. So if you come at me with some bullshit money, it's unbelievably easy for me to say no. Right. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that. I can't say, no, I can't just... Um, the 20,000 number just kind of came to me in I gotta that leave, moment. I got to yeah. leave the house for less than that. But I'm, I'm happy. To, that, Respect. Yeah. <laughs> and I was capping. But, you know, it's like the, the, you, you, need the, you need a number to shoot your shot with. Yeah. And 20,000 might be the number because this dude was weird. And it's like, if you're weird, then I got to bring more people with me because mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen in this environment. Really, at, at a certain point in the rap shit, it's like if you're getting paid a certain amount of money to go do something part of what you're getting paid for is to assume the risk of something weird happening, knowing that weird things happen in these environments sometimes, you know? You need security, somebody, mm-hmm. yeah. That's gotta be wild. Yeah, even like the other night when I was chilling with, it was these like, I had to be mindful of it. I'm like, do you mind if I post this? Do you mind if that? Because mm. I know how they move around out here. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like a, a thing. People are like, oh yeah, I, I Let's pull. Let's hit the next lick and get the next rapper for for his chains or whatever. Right. And I wouldn't want to be. They tried to do it to Benny in Texas. Yeah, uh, I heard, yeah, I, I've seen. I heard the whole thing. Yeah, you know. So I like. I'm. I wouldn't want to be. I'd feel bad if something like that happened on account of me doing something fucking foolish. You know. There's I, so much shit that I think about now, and I'm like, we were really in like a lot of the worst neighborhoods in different cities. Oh. For years, with thousands of dollars worth of camera equipment, thousands of dollars worth of bikes, and we really got by on just sort of the assumption that we were going to be all right. Not that nothing ever happened. I, I honestly never really had that many sketchy situations happen in bad neighborhoods. Over and over and over, I would have some dude from some project be hyped as fuck because somebody was grinding the rail in front of his apartment building. You know? Yeah. Not not much ever happened. I mean, I've I've heard of people getting jumped and mm. getting um, in Baltimore. People getting jumped by like thirteen. 15 year olds or whatever they're like oh whatever Bray. you know you should go ride um you know let's go ride that area i'm like no i'm not if you go to a poor enough area and you seem like a pussy then yeah it's probably going down but if you seem like a respectable person and you know if you're not going to the absolute worst fucking trenches ass yeah. neighborhoods because those are the ones too that you go to the worst ones and i and this is people like oh Brad, you should go and you're black i'm like that means nothing <laughs> i'm like i'm not from that trap yeah i'm not from there yeah. so if anything that's going to give them a little bit more yeah. leverage to try to pull some slimy shit if they did want to do some shit and they're like well that's just 13 i'm like yeah there's 10 13 year olds and they're the size of grown men yeah like, and those 13 year olds might have been placed there by grown men if anything, yeah. because and grown men are not above having young guys do dirt for them. No, they are not. <laughs> no. And, and if you hang around Baltimore or a lot of these cities, you will see young kids that will pull a strap on you yeah. in a spot. So, <laughs> you know. But you know what? what well, something is crazy is uh, back to rappers, uh, legendary rapper, Styles, mm. another one. Couldn't believe it. No. Tapped in with you. Mm, we're talking. Nice. But he, he gave me his number. And I was like, yo, here's my math. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm, like I'm not calling Styles P. Are you, are you kidding me? Yeah. You know? So I shot him a text like days later. I'm like, mm, I don't know. So he messaged me. And 
I mean, I messaged him and he responded. And uh, then I messaged him again. He didn't say anything. So I hit up um, uh, Biscuit. And uh, I asked him, I was like, yo, is, like, is, is Styles more like the, is he a phone dude or is he a text guy? Like, what is, um, and he's like, man, nah, he's one of the realest dudes. Like, he's just, call that dude. So I wait. I, I didn't call him. I still didn't call him. I waited <laughs> like two, like two and a half weeks. Right. Right. I was like, all right, fuck it. Let me call Styles. It's like a Saturday, like, a, like three or four o'clock. Called him, but at the same time, I was like, Please don't pick up, don't pick up, don't pick up. I was like, I just want to leave a little voicemail, please don't make me do this <laughs> right know, now, you know. And, um, but he fucking picked up, he picked up, and I'm like, God damn, Styles P just answered the phone, right? But chillest dude ever, yeah. Just conversation was just flowing. We talked for like 30 minutes, and I'm on the phone, and I was like, Yeah, I was like, How did you like when did you like start seeing footage of me? Like, how did you find out about me? Cause I asked him if it was if it was Benny. He said no. It was like it wasn't Benny, but I think he just said he just randomly saw me on an Explore page one day, mm. and I'm like, so I was like, yeah, I've been listening to your music for twenty, for, yeah, for twenty years, right? And I'm, I'm the kind of dude like I I can easily just listen to '90s and early 2000 rap. Yeah, I'm just I'm, that's my that's my era of um, music, right? You know. So yeah, we we chopped it up. We talked for a minute. But one thing I, I noticed about remember when I told you I wasn't really listening to a lot of new music like that. Yeah. Griselda definitely um, like inspired me to listen to mm. like more new shit because I wasn't really listening to anything like that. Then because I went down that rabbit hole because I hadn't I, I didn't know much about Benny's uh, catalog mm. at the time. I just heard like a song here and there. Right. Same with Conway, all of them. Then I started listening, going down it, and I'm like, hold on, shit, these dudes are fucking fire, right? Then I tapped in with Benny. We started talking, and like we've been in contact for a minute. Mm. But all those dudes are, yeah, are solid, man. Because we grew up thinking that rappers were like superheroes, you know, and like There's unapproachable. That. And like when you look at somebody like Styles P, it's like, what is Styles P? Yeah, he's he's got this fame and everything, but he's just a solid dude who's, you know, he's he's interested in what's going on in the culture still and everything. Like I'm I'm not that surprised that he would see you riding bikes and just be excited about it, you know. I was surprised because like maybe it was just more me, yeah. Because like coming from a uh, from a fan place, yeah. You know, like, sitting at my computer like on AOL Instant Messenger, you know. 16, 17 years ago yeah. on on the fucking chat listening to Gangster and a Gentleman. Yeah. You know, I'm just... He, he was so cool to me when I met him too and I was just like... I've had that experience over and over with like other rappers I met but it, it always is surprising of like, damn, I grew up listening to you say the most gangster ass <laughs> shit. What? And now I'm meeting you and you're so cool. Like, damn, all right. Yeah, I was... Yeah. I was blown away by the kind Same way. I met, uh, I met Conway in, mm -hmm. in Houston. Same thing. Chill. Yeah. Another one. But out of all, of, I, I haven't um, yeah, I haven't met Benny yet. Oh really? We just been um, kind of rapping. I but, told Benny about uh, Casey from Austin too. I was like, you'll like this kid too. And I noticed that afterwards that you followed him right away. He followed Casey. I'm I mean, like, that's lit. That. Yeah, he, he he's into it. What I feel like, because I noticed a lot of in the, the rap industry, a lot of rappers follow like Tony Hawk. Mm. So I feel like. Some of the most street dudes, like, like, whatever they were doing, whether they were trapping or whatever, 
they were still like in the back, like at home playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Yeah. You know, the boys may not have known about it, but they were just like they were into it. Everybody fucking knows Tony Hawk. Right. Riding a bike or a skateboard or whatever is such a universal thing that I feel like it's very easy for normal people to appreciate it. It just has to be contextualized in a way that makes sense to them. It's like, you know, and that's what is great about your Instagram is you can scroll through it and it's very, it's easy to comprehend. It's like clip after clip, but each clip is very, very digestible on its own. Whereas like to a rapper, if I showed them like a Garrett Reynolds video part, it's like, it's going to melt their brain. And maybe not in like a good way where they're gonna like return to it over and over, you know? It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's just, it's so much to comprehend. Like the way that, like, you know, me or you, if we watch a Flatland section right now, that's what is, yeah. We know it's amazing. It's but we probably couldn't name one trick. No. Nope. Maybe like one part of one uh, trick. Yeah, I could, I could never tell you what a whole link right. is on there. Never. But yeah, you're, you're right. Mm. And that's what it boils down to. And I, why? They're being able to connect as well. I interviewed that dude, uh, I don't know if you know him, the professor the other day, who was a, a guy who was in and one for basketball and everything. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And he, you know, like uh, things didn't work out. He was kind of too small to make it into the NBA and stuff. And then he figured out his own path where now he has, he does, you know, a million views plus on each YouTube video he uploads. He has all these followers. He does huge brand integrations for Burger King and Doritos and all this shit. And it's like, think about that. That's a dude who is in his 30s now and did not absolutely failed at making it as the traditional path that you're supposed to take as a basketball player and built something for himself that probably makes him more than the vast majority of the NBA. Yeah, and if you, if and you your know. situation is very similar. You know, it's like you've, you kind of like did the whole industry thing for a long time, realized it wasn't going to work, sat back and looked at it and had a vision for what you could build that would be different or better yeah i i feel like yeah that's kind of spot on mm. you know? but that's available for people now it's just they have to notice it is those opportunities but they have to really tap in on it and i mean and go mm. like nobody's gonna hand you that shit yeah i can't i mean i, I, I just count how many times i just kind of sat there waiting for the next brand to save me i was like no i need to, i gotta go save myself yeah and that's when and that's empowering because then you get to name your own price i was listening to a fucking interview with uh, george clooney the other day and he's just kind of talking about different things in the industry over the years that he didn't say this that he felt like saying because he didn't want to you know not get work and i was thinking about it like you know being an actor sounds like a sad fucking job in a lot of ways because your whole job is to just impress this handful of casting agents and if they don't fuck with you then you're you're out of business you know same thing with comics a lot of different people you know like the the traditional thing was always that you just had to make your name this one way and now it's like you could be a comic andrew schultz i saw him get rejected basically because he wanted to have a netflix special and shit goes on youtube makes himself super popping on youtube to the point where the streaming services have to come and just be like okay we're gonna give you the bag we're gonna actually Embrace you because you made it fucking obvious to us that you're important enough that we should be paying you. What Jordan say? Be so good they can't ignore you. Mm. That's real. What? Let's talk about the mountain bike decision. Because to <laughs> me, as a young, and it's funny to think about how much my mindset has changed on things. Back in the day, two thousand six, seven, whatever. I mean, the idea of a BMX rider also riding mountain bikes hurt me in my soul. Over now, I'm like, why, why the fuck did that ever seem important to me? I don't really remember, but 
they they just beat that shit into your head. Yeah. The amount of he said also you asked we come from the same generation that hated rollerblades and scooters yeah. and everything so much that it was like life or death, you know? It it was, it was like it's one or the other. Yeah. So you asked me how did that come about? Yeah, and, and was it a tough decision? Like, you know, you've always obviously identified as a BMX rider. It's a huge part of your identity. But then at a certain point, you start getting an offer from a mountain bike company. It can't, I don't know. It became a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting older. I know I still want to ride bikes. But I know that riding mountain bikes will give me another five, ten years or more, you know. From sponsors with deeper pockets. That might not necessarily mean sponsors. Well, some of it, but also, also just having something to do. Yeah. You know, it's fun. And, like, uh, Christian got me into it. Oh, really? Yeah, we were in, in Santa Cruz uh, a few years ago, and I thought about it. But back then, I was like, I, can, I, like, I can't fucking afford this expensive-ass fucking bike. Because they, back then, they used to be, I mean, not back then, but when I was just riding only BMX brands and stuff, I didn't have that sort of income. And I started looking at the price of a mountain bike. It's like, what, a couple it, thousand? Oh, they could be. They can range from anywhere from five to ten thousand. Wow. Like, that's the thing. If you go to like a, if you go to a park, is the reason what people why there's so much more money in that in that um, sport is one. Yeah. It's the income, but you're mostly dealing with people thirty plus hmm. who are either married or they have a household income of two or three hundred thousand. Yeah. You can go to a party and go, oh, baby, I, want, I need a bike or whatever. Let's go, let's go, get, let's go spend $15,000 on mountain bikes. Mm. So if you go to a park and you look around, it's, 50, it's $50 to get in for most parts for the lift pass. Right. And if you look around and say there's 1,500 people, there's a million dollars in bikes floating around at the park. Mm. No matter what you do, you go to a BMX, you go to a skate park, there will never be a million dollars in bikes there. Right. And for me... Just, I could see the difference in them. Like, I want to have fun there. And like, brands are looking for, they're looking to diversify. Mm. You know, there's not many uh, black riders. There's not, there's, there's no one like me in the bike industry. So, and for years, dudes, people kept hitting me up and they're like, man, you need to get on a mountain bike, get on a mountain bike. And I was, I was apprehensive to it for, for a minute. I was like, man, I don't know if I, if I should do it. I don't know. But when I did went and rode with Christian, I was like, this is fun. And having, I'm an old school rider, so I, I've always ridden trails and skate parks and everything. So hopping on a mountain bike made sense. It was an easy transition. Right. It's fucking crazy. Like you will die riding mountain bikes. Like the, like the like stuff out that's out in Rampage, shit I was riding a few months ago. I mean, a month ago. Do you hold back a lot though? Because you don't want to necessarily get hurt doing mountain bike shit. You'd rather get hurt doing some BMX shit. No, you just get hurt riding mountain bikes. <laughs> it's just inevitable. Straight up. Yeah. You, just, you just get, like I jumped some, this big ass drop. It's like, I don't know, 40 feet long drop. And I watched somebody like case the shit out of one of them and gone. Fly you out. <laughs> they had to fly them out. Yeah, you you, you got to think. You just go- keep a helicopter on deck for horrific injuries. A lot of stuff. You, you have to think of this. Um, when you're riding street, you're moving them mm, yeah. maybe five ten. When I'm on that, when you're on a mountain bike, you're going twenty five thirty mm. and more to hit, depending on the trails you're riding. It could be 30, 40, 50 foot long. There's some, there's a spot in South Africa. They have hundred they have hundred foot long jumps. 
100 feet just floating. But when yes. I'm when I started when the brand started talking with me and my manager, we started, you know, uh, shopping around, started talking. And the day I made that post, dude, the mountain bike industry was just like, we've been waiting for you. Really? Where have you? You and specifically it, or someone like you? Say again? Like you specifically or that they had been waiting for a BMX pro they had to been fully literally embrace it? Like been waiting. It was like they were just standing there and saying, hey, we've been waiting. Like my Instagram, I, I didn't even know I had that much support from that industry. They right. were just watching. I had no idea. And so when I made that one post, it was just like 1,500 fucking comments. Like every top mountain biker in the world was just like, congrats. Yes, we've been waiting. Uh, like, I was like, all this time? <sighs> had had no idea that sort of support was there. But also that's my page went from uh, like 150 to like almost 400,000. Right. Is that, that extra 250 is not BMX riders. That's people outside of BMX for the most part. You know, once you really start going viral, it's yeah. the people who are not the hardcore fans of what you started off doing. People who are just sitting at their desk watching shit. Like, I ride around the cities and people are like, hey, I follow your Instagram. I'm like, what? Right. That shit was always, that's always kind of weird. Anytime, not necessarily weird, but it's just, I mean, you get it. I mean, we've been riding around the city before and people come up to you and want a photo. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's not, I guess it's kind of weird, isn't it? It's weird for me because when I'm out riding BMX, I feel like such a normal person. And then like a car pulls over and wants to take a photo and I'm like, all oh, right, right. Random moms know who I am now. It's cool. Yeah. You got to, you know, you the just got to roll with it. The moms, they know, like the fucking kids, people are just pulling up and they're just like, hey, I follow you. And like I went to Rampage and I didn't think that many people would actually know, but all these like parks I'm going, like mountain bike parks and stuff, people know. Yeah. You know me? Like, yep. <laughs> well, you know, this is funny, though. I was, I'm like, Snoop Dogg is like, have you met Snoop? Uh, no. Okay, he looks like he's probably 6'8". Yeah, he's massive. He's like tall. He's walked by me before, so. Yeah. Just didn't, didn't, didn't acknowledge really get, you. Didn't get the hello. No. Yeah. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> he was in his own world. He was traveling with his own momentum, his own entourage. I'm just sort of He like, was on a cloud. He was probably just. That too. Yeah. But, yeah, I went to one park and his you try to he mistake me as Snoop Dogg. Like, Snoop I was like, I'm five. I was like, I'm five eight. Now that's racist. I was like, I'm five eight. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's hilarious. He's, he's oh, I thought you were Snoop Dogg. I'm like, no, you didn't. Did you get much blowback in BMX from that? Oh my God, really bad. Racist, crazy racist shit. Really, um, not from anybody that like is known. Mostly like anonymous type. A lot of yeah, some of them. Not so really? anonymous. Um, people people took, when that whole fallout happened, and I went back and um, made a, I said what I had to say on there. Yeah. One thing I said, and people, I'm pretty sure people misconstrued my words. I said that because of what they did, I will most likely never ride for a BMX company again. Not that I'm quitting BMX. I just probably won't end up being sponsored by another BMX brand because now I look like some fucking nutcase who mm. is money hungry. Right. You know, you felt like the door was kind of closing on you. Whereas people took it as you were saying that you were closing the door. Yeah. Mm. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not quitting. It was just, these are better opportunities for me. Um, that was happening. Like all the, the crazy, the whack ass memes, 
and stuff that were coming out day after day. And I'm just, it got to a point where you like, like you, you get like, you start growing. Like, I don't know, like that growth kind of gets lonely too sometimes, especially like personal. Mm-hmm. And you start moving, like you start seeing money, your, your life starts changing. And then you start, you start seeing a lot of envy and the hate and it starts coming from all different directions to the point where you, you kind of, you almost makes you shut down a little bit. Right. But for me, I didn't want to, like, I was still posting stuff, but I was like afraid to interact with, with, um, like fans. Cause I didn't know what was coming. Mm. Certain this part, this person had this to say or that. I didn't want to engage. I'm like, man, I don't know what, um, what to do. So then it started coming from people I actually know, like really? dudes I grew up with. I'm like, yeah, I grew up with you. I used to like go to the city all the time and kick it with you. Then all of a sudden, like, now you want to take shots at me online? Oh man, that shit, that shit is a crazy ass feeling. I've had that where it's like, I'll see somebody who, you know, I slept on their floor 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and they got something shady to say about me in the comment section. And that's a weird realization is like, I thought we were friends, and it turns out that actually now I'm a famous guy and you're an internet hater, and that's weird. <laughs> like I thought we were friends. Like I would, you you could have been an axe murderer, and I wouldn't have like posted the link and been like, oh man, I knew this guy back in the day, you know. But I'm over here getting a little heat for something, and you're just gonna jump right in. Like, okay, like I see how things have changed. I haven't talked to you in ten years. Okay, sure, but it is weird because like you you think you're you think you're making friends all these years. And you are, but a lot of them don't really have the same intentions that you might. You know? No, not at all, man. And some of them were just, they were either, they weren't necessarily rooting for you from the beginning anyway. Yeah. And I, I saw that. Like, I've been around dudes during this whole, during the whole rise, what's going on now and everything happened in my life. Like, I'm, some of them, like, not once have I ever heard, like, a you know, congrats. Right. Like, never, no, nothing, just, just, you see him and I'm saying, damn, you never ever had one positive thing to say about any of the stuff that happened. But you know, if you look at it, some people just, they're happy, they're cool with where you used to be. Yeah. Think about how many people in your life now, or not necessarily in your life now, were way cooler, they were way more comfortable with you just being the guy from just to come up back in the day. Right. As opposed to... No jumper, yeah. all this going on, you know. It can get weird. It can definitely get weird. When people just feel like you, people start to treat you like you are a, almost like a representation of what they haven't accomplished. Like you're, you're a, a, a walking, talking manifestation of them not necessarily achieving their dreams. Or at least that's how I sometimes feel like people are treating me. Like, I, I know this anger has to come from somewhere. And a lot of times it doesn't really feel like it's coming. It's not because of the thing that you're claiming to be commenting about here. I think that this might have a little bit more. And I don't want to take away from anybody who actually hates me or actually has an opinion against me because that's totally fine. You know, it's like I've done plenty of shit that if you don't like it, it's totally fine. I'm not just reducing you to a hater. Like, your opinion doesn't matter because I hate when people do that about me. Like, if I say, oh, some rapper's whack and people are like, you hate him because he has more money than you. It's like. I mean, I could just not like him also, you know? Yeah. But there's definitely a lot of people who it seems pretty transparent. Oh, it is. I mean, I, I, just, I, I just I get it from 
So, so I'm like, you really took time out of your day to just send me a message, message to tell me uh, you hate me because I ride mountain bikes too? Right. Oh, I'm a traitor? Right. <laughs> you call me a traitor because... Yeah. And the funny thing is that if you had got a part-time job at the movie theater sweeping up popcorn and emptying the trash cans, then you'd be making a lot less extra income, but absolutely nobody in the BMX world would hate on you for that. They, you know, they wouldn't know, and if they knew, they wouldn't have be able to say anything bad about it. But then you get a very, I assume, a quite lucrative deal doing something that's like, you know, quite similar to just what you've been doing all these years riding bikes it's not like you're doing it full time it's not like you have to go ride a mountain bike every day and somehow that is enough that you need to be canceled but i mean it's the same like we we come from a world that skateboarders hated us so we hated rollerbladers so the rollerbladers hate the scooterers and bmx riders hate mountain bikers and the mountain bikers are kind of like huh like why like you guys think you're so fucking hardcore that and I, i was that guy you know like we hated fixed gears a lot of us. Oh, the, the mountain bike dudes—they're they're up here. They're just like, yeah, we're we're living, we're like we're doing our thing. Right. We are like you all can keep that toxic shit over there. We're over here. We're trying to enjoy our lives and trying to build. And I like it. And that's what I'm. That's what I'm on. Mm. So I'm not getting dragged down into that sort of hate nah, and man, I'm like, atmosphere. I'm trying to. I mean, I, I know I, I can't do this. I can't do this shit forever. Mm. You know, it's just there's way too many risks involved. Like you're long. You know, athlete, your, your longevity is in dog years. Mm-hmm. Right. How much of this? I'm I'm riding concrete. Falling. How much do you think about what you might do after all this? Would you would see yourself wanting to work in the industry or which in, what industry? maybe not BMX industry, but sort of sports in general or, or with any kind of brand? You know, maybe sports. Do that. Um, I think I'm gonna get into doing yeah, real estate and stuff as well. Every night, maybe do a production company. Do you look at yourself in the mirror and think like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do this in five years. I'm not going to be able to do this in 10 years. Is that something you even think about at this point or street riding? Mm. I just, I I just won't do it. Right. Like I'm not going to, let's see, in 10 years. No, I'm not, I'm not riding street the way I'm right now. Right. Like my, I mean, I already have arthritis on my, my left wrist. Um, like. My, yeah, my body is breaking down. I mean, I can, does I can get out and go do whatever I want right now. But I know in ten, ten years is a day. That's a long time to ride at this level. Like, is, I, is there stuff you would? Do you look at old footage of yourself and think I would never do that now about some tricks? Mm, yeah. Like what kind of stuff? Uh. I'm picturing you icing up El Toro, and I'm wondering if, if you ran into El Toro that wasn't capped right now, if you would still have that enthusiasm. Because that that's a lot of pedaling to fucking lean back and grind on your back peg up a 20 stair. I don't know if I would. Although you didn't pull it for the record. I, I didn't pull it. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I would go for that. I may, maybe some of like the crazy, the crazy gaps I mm. wouldn't do. Like, it just doesn't feel worth it. No, maybe uh, like that crazy wall ride over the rail to that metal grate. Oh, that was sick. Probably wouldn't do that again. That right. was a sketchy grate to ride down. Yeah, you just like, over that rail to the wall. Yeah, down there's police officers around. <laughs> right. um, probably the main 180 on that Rincon rail, the um, fly rail up top. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would probably do that again. Mm. Uh, 
There's so much shit. There's some some things I post on Instagram that I'll probably never do again. Mm. Yeah, is there other other tricks that you've done that you're just like, well, you know, I spent a lot of time doing that trick, and I don't think I'm going to do a better one than the one I just did, so maybe that one's just done. I'm not doing that trick anymore. Yeah, that happens. Like what? Uh, that G-turn over that rail I did. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just saw, I, I saw shit. I looked at stuff, I'm like, I'm not even good at doing, like, nose manuals. Because the rail, it was like flat rail that's like damn near bar height, right? Mm-hmm. And like with a curb after it, and you just did the 180 to backwards nose off it to 180 out. Yeah, I'm like, I, I just know how to do G-turns. I'm like, I'm not good at doing those manuals. Yeah. But I know I've never seen anybody do this. I'm like, I know I have the upper body power for it. I'm like, why no one has done this? So like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I did it. Kind of like Gabe was good at speaking things into mm-hmm. existence. Gabe, you know, RP Gabe. Recipes Gabe, man. He, he, he was very, very similar to you in the sense that he had like a, a real athletic background, super physically strong, and then also was good at riding. You know, I saw him do things I never seen anybody do. Like, a, there's like an old demolition edit, I think, where he, he tries to ice this like tall ass ledge over a dirt gap, and he he's going over the bars, and everybody else who rides BMX would either like step off to the side, or dip to the side and roll on their side like that or whatever and he fucking just ducks and does a front flip like on the ground perfectly (laughs) anybody else would have smashed their fucking head into the ground so hard and he just with this perfect gymnast balance just did this forward roll and i'm like i've never seen anyone fall like that before that was unbelievable and i saw actually him do that a lot of times over the years damn yeah i remember that he fucking did some crazy like somersault over some rail i think it was I don't know where it was at, but he jumped over this rail and he just did a four roll. Mm. It was like 20 feet up. Yeah. I don't know if you remember it. That sounds very familiar, yeah. Something. Fuck. Crazy, man. So sad when you like lose somebody like him. I mean, he honestly, he's another, what I was just saying about Vic. He's another good example, man. If, if Gabe could have been making $5,000 a month off bike riding, he would not have gone back to the streets. He not. He would not have started fucking around doing the shit that he was doing. Yeah, you know, it's just you know, he. He got into a couple of different positions, sponsor wise. Didn't really, you know, didn't fit coherently with some of the teams they got put on, you know, and then it just didn't really work out. It's a real shame, you know. I would have loved to see like the BMX industry be big enough to actually like accommodate his talent and that's kind of always been the thing with bmx is that bmx riders know how great the sport is they want it to be every bit as accommodating to the pros as skateboarding but then in reality the money is just not as significant as it is in skateboarding so there's just a lot less to go around so you end up with a lot of salty ass individuals as a result yeah and it's a it's a it's a race to the bottom Mm -hmm. and this is yeah I, i would i would love to change it you know uh, to help, but it's, it's hard to to do that when I'm not really able to do it myself. Right. You know, like I have to like I'm like I'm making uh, I'm making I'm earning my income from you know most from the mountain bike industry. Right. You know, but also I've made a name big enough for myself to get over there to where these big corporate brands are willing to. Um, yeah, give me a shot. Whereas a lot of the dudes I know who ride, you know, they're on, yeah, they ride BMX. They're great riders. 
but they're not big enough to where they're not on the radar of Adidas or some of the other brands or the new brands I'm, I'm signing with. They're not just not on the radar. It's not that they're, they're not good enough. They're just they don't have enough. There's not enough steam behind them to, for it to make sense to them. And that's what's crazy about how BMX was when we were kids and the dominant media was magazines and you know VHS tapes is that you could be a, a silent uh, guy. You know, think about like a Mike Tag. He's, he's quiet. It's not necessarily like an attention hog on camera. He's just a badass rider, and that's it. And the magazine's going to put him on the cover doing a crazy-ass uh, rail feeble or whatever, you know, rest in peace. And that was good. He didn't have to be Mr. Personality. Nowadays, it's like in order for people to really become a massive fan of you when there is no, like, traditional media that's going to kind of hype you up, you got to put a lot of that – you got to do a lot of that yourself, and that leaves a lot of people – left behind because we, we always would have liked to think that BMX was not about just who's the most popular. Well, in the social media age. <laughs> it turns out that's pretty pretty now, important. Yeah. If you do a if you do a gap versus, you know, some kid with five hundred followers does a gap, it's like it might get treated like it's the greatest thing of all time on your account and that kid who did it it might not really get noticed. Oh yeah, we could go do the same exact yeah. trick. I mean I have a platform of you know, over 300,000. And people who love you and people who want to see you, yeah. see you win. And so, the dude yeah. and the, the kid who has, he could go behind me tomorrow. We post at the same time in the morning. He's got 4,000. Mm. I'm going to get 4,000 views in one minute. He might get it, man. But he still, there's, he still has an outlet. Because yeah. one thing I've said before, I'm like, if you are that good, there's really, it's almost impossible to go unseen today. Mm. There's but a, you have to really be that good. You have to really be doing something that really thing. makes people you stand up and pay attention. Good. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of people who think they're like, just because they're good at something, they're good enough to just be paid for it. Mm. Sometimes like, yo, you got to do something else and you can pay for your passion. You're not going, you're just, you're not it. Man, it, it sucks for them to hear that yeah. and tell them. Cause I, I've seen plenty of riders like, oh yeah, I really want to, I want to do this and do that. I'm listening. I'm like, you're very, very mediocre at what you're doing. <laughs> you need time. Like, when you get there, like you get there, like you can't worry about being sponsored right now, and like the pressure that comes with it, like all the the fucking the adulation and the the hubris and the bravado that comes with being like an elite athlete or anything you do is overwhelming. Mm. So much, there's so many people, you know, always they're in your ear, they're telling you this, pra praising you up, ripping you down. You're in a spotlight for any and everything you do. And as soon as something fucking happens, then you get some wild hate or whatever. So I'm like, really, are you ready for that? Do you want that? Mm. So yeah, it's a wild world. If you, if you met a young dude right now, a young version of yourself, you know, 18 year old kid, he's got all the talent in the world on a bike. He's cool. He's got a little bit of an image. What would be your advice to him if he wanted to make it in the BMX world? Like, what would what would, what kind of direction would you want to lead him in? And he's Super talented. Yeah, you see the talent. You really I, believe. I he's, see. I personally see the talent. Yeah, you, you believe uh, he's got it. I would personally. Or has the has the the seed of the talent. You know, he needs to develop it more. But he's he's there. He's right there. I would tell him to yeah formulate a plan. Mm. What you I mean, ask yourself? What do you want from BMX? And also. Work at it as hard as you can, but do not stick around longer than you need to. Mm. Because 
even if I really think about it, like I stuck around longer than I should have. Right. You can grind as hard as you can for 10 years, but if you don't see it through to the 11th, mm. you never know what's going to happen. Right. It took really, for me, about 15. Mm. I, stuck, I stuck around way longer than, than that. It's crazy because you came in, in a lot of ways, like on the tail end of the magazine video era, in a lot of ways, you know, you come out in what, 2004, 2005, when your Shook section was like 2005, maybe six? Shook him, yeah, So you, you kind of like, th- there's a thing we always talk about with rappers where a lot of rappers came out sort of like as CDs were dying and before streaming blew up. And in a lot of ways, I consider you emblematic of the new generation of what it is to be a pro BMX rider where you're like very focused on your social media and you're able to get outside sponsorships and brand deals and that kind of stuff. But there was like sort of like a dark era in between where we're at now, where the internet is starting to make sense, and it's like the the path of monetizing your talents on the internet starting to make sense versus the magazine era where it was like, if they honor me enough to put me in the magazine, then maybe brands will want to throw some money at me. Yeah, I would, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, with that, it is it is a that is that was a weird era, mm. but it made the most sense to me. It made more sense than what is going on right now yeah i mean it was great because it's like you know i remember i got a photo in a magazine some uh in dig actually it was like a new york city street scene report i let the photographer stay with me he took a picture of me icing this ledge over this fucking curb island and i mean the way i felt from having a photo in dig in 2007 it's like you know it's not like anybody i could get the best instagram clip of my life and i don't know if it would compare to like just having one of the pages of the, the 150 pages or whatever that they have in that magazine and and you could get one of those pages like that's it was like a really big feeling yeah you 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 get a get the full uh, the spread yeah. the um the interview like remember what was go it? buy 10 copies of them send one to your mom that's they, what i did i did that too there was one <laughs> there's one year i remember i had 50 magazine photos i believe it yeah what year do you think probably two like 2009, mm. easily. Something like that, like two, around 2009, 2010. Glory days. That was, that was really towards the end of magazines in a lot of ways, too. Like, I think, like... I remember you kept talking about you like, ah, print. You're like, magazine, that's just dead. dead. I know. <laughs> I was so early on saying that, and that was one of the biggest things that I... It was a big lesson for me in that you don't really get points retroactively for being right way ahead of time. Yeah, when you're ahead of the curve like that. I just knew magazines were fucked, like, market. at least, you know, way before everybody else. And nobody else wanted to accept it because they were making money from it. I had no no horse in the game, so I didn't... I was just like, this shit is fucked. And you guys are basically defrauding your advertisers because you're lying about how many people are seeing this. That's yeah. what pissed me off as a person running a website. Was I'm like, we're getting all these eyeballs. You guys are getting thousands of dollars from these brands for fucking nobody seeing this shit. Moving what? Three, four thousand copies yeah i mean it seems crazy to even talk about it now because it seems like such a fucking blatant scam that these magazines were getting brands to pay them all this money <laughs> but hey you know i didn't really know i wasn't hip to the game i didn't know much about that stuff but i just know that brands were getting paid they would get um you know they pay them for like a f- for the inside cover oh yeah once you realize that the cover had way more to do with who was advertising mm-hmm. yeah Oh, that shit was crazy. Who was it that did the full pipe? And, and they, they put like a, a dude from GT doing like an air on a vert ramp on the cover or some shit instead. That's why I knew something was up. 
<laughs> I don't remember that. I don't even remember who. It yeah. might have been Morgan Wade doing a whole pipe or something. I don't remember. Either Maybe. Way. I don't know. So what, what are you focused on at this point? Like, What's it important that for you that you want to accomplish, you know, before the end of the year, over the next couple of years, et cetera? Uh, really now it's just kind of staying healthy. Um, yeah. Get some properties. Mm. Start, you know, working on my, you know, financial. You staying out here for the most part? No. Where are you staying? Uh, I've been living in Texas for a while. Oh, okay. In, in Austin? Yeah. But How, um, How's Austin these days? I'm pretty burnt out on, like, the riding there. Really? I mean, I, I spent one year like, riding 10 hours a day, like, mostly downtown. Really? Like, 99% of that footage from, like, all the like the Does you pedal around downtown? That's pedaling downtown. I, I recognize a ton of the spots too, and that that was part of what made it seem kind of cool to me. Is I'm like, I know he's just pedaling around that's, Austin. That's doing this exactly shit. what I was doing. I was killing filmers because it was. I was also riding in the middle of summer. It was, a, it was 105. And, and Austin has no joke. I'm pedaling 105 out, except for I mean when I came out here and we rode the was the Korean uh, radio station. Right. And like yeah, hit some hit a few things out there, but for the most part, yeah. Been in Austin. I want to. Sometimes I think about coming out here. I feel like it'd be good, but it's not the best for. It's great for BMX. It's not good for mountain biking. Oh yeah. So I've been trying to navigate two spaces. Like, if I, if I give, if I get, if I give twenty twenty energy, BMX. I there's no way I have. I can't do that for both. Right, you know, and the thing is, the the struggle with it for me to think about is, um, if I give that kind of energy and dedication <clears throat> to BMX, when now the majority of my support comes from the mountain bike industry, mm. I don't, it might not necessarily be a good thing. But if would you, could you see yourself like just riding mountain bikes and just leaving the BMX thing behind? If I live in a good place, yeah. Really. If you lived in a place that was like 100% mountain bike focused and there wasn't like a city to go ride street in. Like just all dope shit. Mm. Yeah. It's that fun. It's that fun. And um, I've also ridden BMX for 25 years. Yeah. You know. Is it still hard for you to challenge yourself enough to have fun? You You still go to a skate park and it's easy for you to find some shit to work on that's enjoyable uh, to you? Depends on the park. Or is it, it more street these days? More real, just raw street. If it's like just a normal park, then like, no, I'm not really having that much fun there. Yeah. I'll cruise around. Like I usually, if I go, if you see me at a park, I'm probably sitting there on my phone listening to music. I'm such an old head in the sense that yeah. I still, I still will drive around behind buildings and take pictures of spots. <laughs> but then I will, I'm not even fooling myself into thinking that I'll actually go to one. This is ingrained in you. Yeah. Oh, I love just looking around and shit. Yeah. But you, yeah, but you might see something like, yo, cool, I'm going to send Brandon a photo or oh, something. Yeah. They do stuff on spots I find for sure. And I do, I still like have tricks. Like even like at the very beginning of the pandemic, I went out riding a few times with the guys, did some tricks I was hyped on. And then I like basically exactly as the pandemic started, I went to fucking Smith up this ledge of the skate park. Phil's filming me. I pull a fucking t- tendon in my forearm and I couldn't ride for like six months maybe before I really felt comfortable pulling up. Damn. And I just didn't really get back into the groove. Because for a while, I was going around, like, every weekend, really starting to feel good. And I don't know. Too busy now, huh? Well, now with a kid, it's a whole different Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw you hurt. She had a birthday. 
Yeah, it can be tough to uh, make the decision to go uh, cruise around with the boys for eight hours when the kid is at home with the girl and she needs help. And, you know, it's like she's only going to be one for so long. You, know, you want to get those hours in. Right. Another thing I was, what was it? Uh, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, I don't know, slip my mind. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Not that crazy, though. Like, for sure. Um, okay, anybody you want to thank? Anything you want to put out there into the universe? So I think I want to thank, yeah, thank my manager, you know, you know, uh, we're Brandon, anybody, John, um, anybody who's helped me last year, thank you for, for the interview. Oh, my pleasure. Um, yeah, team managers, you know, Adidas, Canyon, all the brands I'm, you know, rocking with right now mm. and all the future ones I'm I'm be partnering with. And if anybody watches this and they want to go watch Brad's old interview on the Come Up BMX channel, I just want to throw it out there that if you do timestamps, I would really like to read through what we talked about because I, I, it's kind of embarrassing that I'll do an interview and then five years later I can't really remember anything. I think but this is different. This is more like about the growth. But, I mean, that mm -hmm. interview was – that interview we covered a a lot of ground like you actually covered like my upbringing early days yeah early days and all that stuff and like crazy you, stories you and skinny sneak, sneaking in the window <laughs> yeah that um <laughs> like the crazy like story from bulgaria yes yeah. oh my god i was thinking yeah. about that when we were talking about like bad things not happening while we're out riding yeah but that wasn't technically out riding. but you know another crazy thing you're talking about the whole social media like I, I did a taco bell commercial early in the year just because of that like they brand reached out I mean, uh, an agency reached out and like, hey, like, yeah, we just saw lots of clips of you really high in the air. We thought that you'd be a good fit. For a Taco Bell commercial? Mm -hmm. Oh, I think I've seen that one. It was like filmed with a drone and stuff. With that, like with the Russian arm, like, yeah. I was, that shit was playing everywhere. During like NBA, during um, NBA finals, um, NASCAR shit. It was so, all over the place. You get to hear about it from everybody you went to high school with or whatever. They're people were, like, yeah, people were hitting me up. Yeah. That's tight. I need more commercials. That's a good bag? Nice little one-off bag. Do you keep getting royalties afterwards, or is it just something up front? No, I think there was too much talent in the video, so they didn't do. Um, uh, they didn't. They didn't want to keep it going because uh, Nate was in there too. Oh, Nate and uh, I think Tyrone. So you, yeah, you can't. Nate Richter. Yeah, that's not talent. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't. Uh, yeah, they didn't. They didn't keep Nate. it going. Shout out Golden Diz. Yes, but I, I wish they had keep keep um, to let it go because had they let it play out the whole year. I would have easily quintupled my really. Damn, it was a nice little bag. There's a lot of bags out there. I don't know. Let's get to them, Brad. Let's get to them. Help me get some more of them. Let's go. If anyone wants to sponsor Brad, you want to give me eighty percent? Let me know. Eighty. <laughs> That's my management. I'm the fee. talent. How you can just take? How about twenty percent? Just an idea. I have. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I'm I'm good. I feel yeah. like I'm sure. solid. I'm excited to see uh, what other footage you got coming out in the near future, man. Because like be, being in the game for this long, it makes me appreciate the the tricks you do even more for sure. Because it's like, how much longer is he gonna keep doing this crazy ass shit? I'm done today. Nah, you're not done. Nah, I'm not done. No, I still yeah, I still love the shit. So mm. I'm here. You know, I have I you know I got I got support now. Let's go. I'm building. Yeah, I'm. I'm building a life. It's a beautiful thing. Not a lot of people get to say that out of the bike riding world. No, I am incredibly thankful. Yeah, for sure. 
Brad Sims, No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, subscribe, nojumper.com if you want to support. Appreciate you, man. Much love. Later. Appreciate you, too.